Today, I want to talk to you from this thought. You can overcome depression. You can overcome depression. I shared with you last week that the last 19 months of navigating this pandemic has sent a lot of people into depression. And, and I want to say this right up front in week number two. If you are struggling with depression, you are not alone. You are not the only one. I, I talked about last week how I have experienced depression in the past. I've experienced some intense depression. And, 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 and I want you to know that in God's word, you find that there are biblical characters that experience depression. And we are zooming in on the character of Elijah. And Elijah experienced intense depression. First Kings chapter 19 verse 4 says, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And we find Elijah in this portion of scripture in a very dark place. He's battling suicidal thoughts. He, he said, Lord, I've had enough. I'm sick and tired of it. Take my life. And then in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 9, Elijah goes into a cave. Elijah went all by himself into a cave when he was struggling with depression. And depression has a way of driving people into a cave. Sometimes literally, but oftentimes mentally. And caves are dark. They're cold. They're lonely. Caves are creepy and scary. At least they are to me. Come on, because I don't like creepy. I don't like scary. I don't like dark. I don't like bats. Who knows what I'm talking about? But this pandemic has put a lot of people into the cave of depression. And I shared these statistics last week, but I really believe they're worth repeating because I want you to hear how much people are struggling since the beginning of this pandemic. The mental health hotline number went up 900% in 2020. The CDC says that one out of four young people under the age of 30 considered suicide in 2020. One out of 10 for everyone 30 years and older. Divorce filings went up 20%. Anti-depression medication went up 300%. A lot of people are in the cave of depression, and, and there's no doubt that, that biologically, but there are biological reasons why people end up in the cave of depression. But understand that experts will tell you there are a lot more reasons besides just biological on why people end up in the cave of depression. And I talked about that last week. I talked about Six reasons why people end up in the cave of depression. But what I want to do today, I want to switch gears and talk to you about how Elijah got out of the cave of depression. How I got out of the cave of depression and how you can get out of the cave of depression. Does somebody believe today that somebody's going to be set free? Do you believe that with me today? I really believe it. God's going to free somebody 
today. Let's dive in today. And the first nugget that we extract from the life of Elijah on how he got out of the cave of depression is physical health must be a priority. Physical health must be a priority. Notice this in 1 Kings chapter number 19. Pick up reading back in verse number 4. I'll pick up in the middle of that verse. Elijah prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread, bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, now what's interesting to me is that when the angel of the Lord visited, visited Elijah, he didn't take care of his spiritual needs first. So interesting. He, he, didn't, he didn't say the first thing, you know what you need to do? You're depressed. You need to pray. You need to read your Bible. And you need to worship. And those are great things. But he first attended to his physical needs because it's hard to get mentally and emotionally healthy when you're wore down physically. So God says, first things first. Here's what you need to do, my brother. You need to eat and you need to sleep. God says, you need to get a nap and you need to eat you some chitlins and some hog malls. Get you some black-eyed peas, some collard greens, some yams, and some cornbread. I'm about about to preach today, church. (laughs) If you don't prioritize your health and schedule, somebody else will. Have you noticed that all the stores have an agenda for you? Have you noticed the television commercials have an agenda for you? Have you noticed that your family has an agenda for you and the job has an agenda for you and the school has an agenda for you and your friends have an agenda for you and the apps on your phone have an agenda for you and billboards have an agenda for you and Netflix and Hulu have an agenda for you and the real question is do you have an agenda for your own health and schedule? Are you in control of your health and Schedule, the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 90 and verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Remember, I taught you last week that the hardest person to lead is yourself. Ask God to teach you, to help you to number your days. You have to lead your own life well by having a plan for your days. If you don't number your days, if you don't have a plan for your days, you will wear yourself out. God said, listen, listen, Elijah, the first thing that you need to do is to attend to your physical health. First things first. And here's what I want to do. I want to give you six practices to help you wisely number your days. Just some real practical things to help you with your physical health. Number one is this, unplug daily. 
Last week, we, we talked about how Elijah was running and gunning. He was just running and running and running. He was battling the false prophets, and he called fire down from heaven. He, 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 he put the false prophets to the sword. Then he turned around, and then he prayed. He prayed earnestly for God to send rain because there was a three-and-a-half-year drought on the land. And then after all of that happens, he gets a text message from a lady named Jezebel. Okay, okay, I made the text message part up, okay, so, so. But he gets a message from this lady named Jezebel, and she says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to take your life. And then he runs about 15 or 16 miles, and, and, and he was wore out. The brother needed to unplug and take a break. And one of the best practices to numbering your days is just to unplug daily. Find time every day to unplug from your work, to unplug from your mobile device. Find some time to unplug and enjoy your family, enjoy your life, and enjoy a book, enjoy a television show, enjoy a game. Unplug. Lord, teach us to number our days. Here's a second, just six, six practices to help you wisely number your days. Here's the second one. Sleep nightly. Elijah was going and going and going and going and going, and it was obvious that he wasn't getting the proper amount of sleep. Because the Bible says he went to sleep, then he woke up, he ate, and he lay down again. He, he needed to get some rest. The National Sleep Foundation says that healthy adults need between seven to nine hours of sleep per night. But one of the reasons that some of you find yourself struggling and you're not connecting the dots, is that you're not sleeping well. You're going days and days with two and three and four hours of sleep, and it's taking a toll on your mental and emotional health. I've had friends that went several days without sleeping, and they were losing their mind. They were hallucinating. Their speech was slurred. Come on, you ever had a friend start talking about they're seeing purple cows? You know what I'm saying? Just emotionally unhealthy and so much tied to their bad sleep habits. Lord, teach us to number our days. Vince Lombardi once said, fatigue makes coward, cowards of us all. And when you're fatigued, it can make a coward of you. Teach us to number our days. Number three is this. Here's a third Best, just best practice here, and that is exercise consistently. Exercise consistently. Scientists have found that regular participation in aerobic exercise has shown to decrease overall levels of tension, elevate and stabilize mood, improve sleep, and improve self-esteem. Listen, our great God knows that there are benefits to us exercising. That's why he says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, the very beginning of that verse, he says physical training is of some value. There is some value in physical exercise. And I'll, I'll just tell you about my life. And when I am not getting consistent exercise, it affects my, my mood. I can tell with my stress level. I can tell mentally. When, when, I, when I'm eating bad and not exercising, I, it, it impacts me. 
One of the reasons I, I exercise is, number one, I, my family has heart disease and diabetes and all, but, but it's also for my own mental health. Like, I don't function well when I'm not taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. And just perhaps some of you are finding yourself in a bad place because you're not just doing some, just some daily exercise. It could just be walking. I'm not a gym rat. I go there about four times a week for about 30 minutes, y'all. I mean, I'm in and out, huh? Some of y'all are in there for two hours, and God bless you. I'm good for 30. 30 to 40, I'm, I'm, I'm in and out. But I'm just saying, it could help you so much. Lord, help us number our days. Here's a fourth. Here's a fourth. Sabbath weekly. Sabbath weekly. Exodus chapter 20, verse Number eight says, remember, I think if you're reading a paper Bible, I still read a paper Bible. You can just circle the word remember. I think that's a key word. Remember, remember, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, I love this, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And one of the reasons I, I just ended up in a horrible place of depression several years ago. I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't sleeping right. But I wasn't taking a day off. I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a day. I was justifying while I could, why I couldn't take a day off. It's busy. It's a season. I got to get us out of this. And I, I was struggling mentally and physically because I was not resting my body. And it got so bad that I ended up in the heart hospital, in the emergency room. Thought I was having a heart attack in my 30s. And they said, they ran tests on me. They said, Mr. Cooper, you're not having a heart attack. You're under a lot of stress. You're having a stress attack, a panic attack. And it's making you feel like you're having a heart attack. And here's what I learned in that season. If I don't take a break from my work schedule, my work schedule is going to break me. And some of you find yourself in a bad place mentally and emotionally, and you're not honoring the Sabbath day. Listen, the Lord blesses the Sabbath day. He will refill you. He will refresh you. He will revive you. Lord, teach us to number our days. Work six, but take one day off a week. Here's, a, here's another, another little practice to help you wisely number your day, and that is vacation yearly vacation yearly. After defeating the 850 prophets and praying down rain after this three and a half year drought and running for his life, I think Elijah needed a vacation. And we all need a vacation from time to time. And this is something that's in my calendar. Take your vacation, church. I, I take a vacation with my family every single year. And then Tiffany and I, we take a trip together, just the two of us, with no one else, just us two, no kids, every single year. It's a game changer for our family, family vacation. It's a game changer for our marriage. It's a game changer for our health, just to disconnect and vacation yearly. Some of you today, it's a word. Word from the Lord. Take a vacation. Take a day off once a week. 
Number, number six is this. Here's the sixth one, and, and here's the one that I find is the hardest for people to apply, and yet it is game-changing. The sixth one is say no frequently. Say no frequently. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23 says, you say I'm allowed to do anything, and some of you are doing anything and everything. But not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything it's beneficial, and you have to learn to say no to the good things so that you can say yes to the best things. You have to learn to say no. I, I love mentoring leaders and young leaders, and I'm able to mentor a lot of young leaders, and I find this right here hard for young leaders because here's what young leaders think. They, they see an open door. They're young and they're gifted. And a door opens, an opportunity hope opens. And so they think every open door and every opportunity is a God thing. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're going to always have open doors. You're, you're gifted. You're talented. You're anointed. So you're going to always have opportunity. The, the, the challenging thing is not opportunity and open doors. The challenging thing is to discern a good opportunity from a God opportunity. <laughs> And if you just feel your schedule full of good opportunities, you're going to wear yourself out. And I've learned that in my own life. i got to say no. I get opportunity. Will you go to breakfast? Will you go to lunch? Will you go to dinner? Can you come over? Can you do? Can you go? Can you speak? Can you help with this public event? Can you help with this community event? I mean, just opportunity after opportunity. I, I just have to. I, I've got a wife. I've got four kids. I've got a calling. I'm laser focused on what God's called me to do. And you just got to learn to say yes. Learn to say no. And you can say no nicely and with conviction. I used to feel all bad saying no to people. No, because let me explain it all to you. Now I'm good. I'm just like, no, I can't make it. No, I'm busy. I'm busy. Right? Because I've got to control my own life and health. Come on, just look to your neighbor right now and say, this part wasn't for me. But you can leave now because that's what you needed right there. Come on. Come on. You better listen. He, he's helping you right there. Number two, number two, number two, number two. Let me give you number two, number two. How did Elijah get out of the cave of depression? Number two, press into the presence of God. Press into the presence of God. This is so key. Don't, 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 don't miss this. Don't miss this. Press into God's presence with realness. With realness. First Kings chapter 19, verse, verse 4. The scripture says, I read it to you, that he, he prayed he might die. He said, I had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. And what I want you to notice is Elijah was in a bad place, but he was real and raw with God. He said, God, I've had enough. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm fed up. I want to die. And it doesn't get any more real than that raw and honest prayer that Elijah prayed. And church family, you got to be real and raw with God about where you are, God can handle it. God's not intimidated, nor is he insecure. God can handle you telling him exactly where you are. Tell him how you're feeling. Be raw. Be vulnerable. Matter of fact, all throughout Scripture, people were real with God about what they were feeling and going through. The psalmist said in Psalms 18, verse 6, in my distress, you've been there before, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help, for from his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The Lord heard this cry in distress. The psalmist said in Psalms 120 verse number one, I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and I love this, 
and he answered my prayer. God's not intimidated by your troubles, by your struggles, by your heartache, by your mental health. You can take your troubles to the Lord. Psalm 61, verse 1 and 2. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer from the ends of the earth. I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Come on, we get there sometime. My heart is faint. I'm tired. I'm weary, don't know what to do. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Somebody needs to press into God's presence with realness. Be real with God. God, I'm struggling. You be real with God. God, I'm tired. Or God, I'm hurting. God, I'm weary. God, I'm lonely. God, I'm confused. God, I don't know what to do. God, I need your help. God, I'm depressed. Be real with God about what you're going through. A part of getting out of the cave of depression is to be real with God about where you really are. Elijah was real with God and I want you to see a second thing about pressing into God's presence and number two is press in by pursuing God's presence pursuing God's presence he goes on to say in first Kings chapter 19 verse 11 the Lord said go out and stand on the mountain this is the key in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I love this. Elijah kept waiting on God. I mean, just get a, get, get a picture of this. He waited on God through the Bible says this crazy wind that was breaking things and tearing things. It was, a, it was an unbelievable wind but he didn't get distracted. He waited on God through an earthquake. Can you imagine standing there and waiting and an earthquake comes, you got wind and an earthquake. I mean, my goodness, but he doesn't get distracted. He just stays there. And then the Bible says a fire broke out, but he did not get distracted and run. He just continued to wait on God. And so many people don't get a breakthrough because they get distracted by the wind. They get distracted by the fire. They get distracted by the earthquake. They get distracted by friends. They get distracted by social media. They get distracted by television. They get distracted by the news. They get distracted by what's happening all around them. And you cannot get distracted. You got to have the presence of God. You got to press into God's presence. What's distracting you from God? What's distracting you from his presence? Don't let anything distract you. The earth, the, the, the wind, the fire, don't get distracted. Pursue the presence of God. His presence is a difference maker. Somebody needs to hear this. His presence is a difference maker. I want you to see a third thing about pressing into the presence of God. And number three is press in by positioning yourself in God's presence. The scripture says at the very end of that verse 13, just read it to you. It says he went out. He went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here? Elijah positioned himself. He went out at the mouth of the cave, positioned himself for God's presence. And he heard the voice of the Lord. Church, this is huge. Elijah went out and stood at the mountain and waited for the presence 
of God. When you're struggling, you have to muster up enough faith and enough strength to get yourself, to position yourself in the presence of the Lord. I don't know how Elijah did it. He was struggling. He was depressed. He was suicidal. But when God said, I want you to go out into the mouth of the cave, Elijah mustered up enough faith and enough strength to walk out. And he went out and he positioned himself where the Lord was passing by and the presence of God passed by and he got a word from the Lord. And somebody's got to muster up enough faith to position yourself. Come on, that's why we come to church because it's where God's presence is moving, this corporate anointing. I know some of you are joining us online, I understand. But can I tell you, as soon as you can get yourself back into God's house with God's people, there is power. There's nothing like being in God's house. But until then, I'll see you online. But come on, don't you plan on staying online. Come on, don't you? I'm staying online till 2024. No, you're not. The devil is a liar. Get yourself back. Come on, plan on coming back in the near future to the house of God where the presence of the Lord is passing by. That's why we're a worshiping church. We worship around here. We're not here to entertain you. Come on, you got to lift your hands. You got to, you got to, you got to magnify God. You got to lift up your voice. I got to get a hold of, I'm not here to be entertained. I need the presence of the Lord to touch my life. That's why you got to have your babies in church, your kids. That's why you got to have your teenagers here every Wednesday night. Have your student here. Why? Because they need a touch from God. There's nothing like the presence of the Lord. That's why you serve on the dream team to say, God, I know that you flow through me and work in me. And you show up as I minister to other people on the dream team. Position yourself in the presence of the Lord. Muster up enough faith and enough strength. To keep positioning yourself where the Lord is passing by. Number three is this. There's a third point. There's a third point. We we talked about physical health. We've talked about pressing into God's presence. And number three is simply this. Pursue your purpose. It sounds so simple, but it's so key to breaking free from depression. You see, one of the hallmarks of depression is a loss of motivation and purpose. People start feeling like there is, their life is meaningless. Depression will have you feeling like you're empty and your life is worthless. Depression will have you feeling hopeless and having, have you feeling horrible. People struggling with depression often feel like they're just a burden to people. I, I'm just a little nothing and I, I'm just a burden to everybody around me. And Elijah was ready to die. He was ready to give up on life. He was depressed. But he overcame depression because he got out of the cave and began to pursue his purpose again. Church, somebody needs this today. Pursuing God's purpose for your life is key to getting out of the cave of depression. I want to give you quickly three C's, three C's that will help you pursue your purpose. you got to pursue your purpose to break free from depression. Three C's to pursue your purpose. Number one is this, commands. Just write that down, commands. Follow God's commands. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15, the Lord said to him, said to Elijah, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, king of Aram, over Aram, and I, know, I love this, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, just those first three words. So Elijah went. So Elijah 
went. God told Elijah to go pursue his purpose again, and Elijah followed God's command. Elijah could have stayed right there in that cave. I don't have a purpose. I, got, I, got, I don't have a plan. No, God said, no, I got a plan for you. I still have purpose for you. Get out of this cave and go back the way you came. And I love the fact that Elijah listened to God and did what he said. Listened to God and did what he said. To get out of the cave of depression, you have to listen to God and do what he says. Listen to God and do what he says. Everybody wants to get out of the cave of depression. But many people want to get out on their own terms. But breakthroughs don't happen by doing things your way. Breakthroughs happen by doing things God's way. Listen to God and do what he says. Listen to God and do what he says. Are you listening to God and doing what he says? Are you praying? Are, are you reading your Bible? Are you serving? Are you forgiving? Are you tithing? Are you loving? Are you living holy? Are you worshiping? Are you listening to God and doing what he says? Have you been water baptized? Are you listening to God and doing what he says? Today I believe this. That pool is set up today. I believe there's some people underneath the sound of my voice. There's somebody watching right now. You need to plan on getting in your car and driving to church. The first commandment after salvation, giving your life to Jesus, is to be water baptized. And there's spiritual significance to water baptism. I believe today as we put people underneath that water and people come out of that water, that the chains of depression is going to fall off some people. The breakthrough is going to happen. When Jesus came out of the water after being water baptized, the Bible says the heavens opened. And the spirit of the Lord came down on Jesus like a dove. And the heavenly father spoke to Jesus. This is my son who I am well pleased with. Somebody's going to have a spiritual encounter with God. When you come out of that water, you're going to get free. God's going to do something. Listen to God. Listen to God and do what he says. After this service, get out in the lobby. There's some clothes at the baptismal table. We already got a towel. We got a shirt. We got shorts. We got a hairnet. And I'm simply telling you there's breakthrough in obeying God. Listen to God and do what he says. Listen to God and do what he says. Listen to God. and Pastor, it's just water. It's going to mess up my hair. No, listen to God and do what he says. Listen to God and do what he says. Listen to God and do what he says. And just watch God work powerfully in your life. Commands, number two, calling, 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 calling. In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15 through 18, God told Elijah to go back the way he came and to anoint Haziel, king of Aram, to anoint Jehu, king over Israel, and you see there, as you keep reading 1 Kings 19, verse 18, and anoint Elisha to secede him as prophet. And Elijah left the cave and began to pursue his calling again. Church, the feeling of purposelessness leads to overwhelming hopelessness. And having a God-giving purpose to live for is key to overcoming depression. Somebody needs to know God still has a plan for you. You're still breathing because God has a purpose for your life. And you got to get up and get out the cave and start pursuing your purpose. There's nothing like just pursuing your God-given purpose. You're here on this earth. God still has a purpose for you to love him. He has a purpose for you to raise those kids, those grandkids to follow Jesus. He has a purpose for you to feed the hungry, to help the hurting and the homeless, to educate those kids. He has a purpose for you to run that business and to make a lot of money so that you can be generous on every occasion and spread the gospel around the world. He has a purpose for you to share your faith 
with your family, friends, coworkers, and students at schools. He has a purpose for you to disciple people. He has a purpose for you to build God's church. He has a purpose for you to reach a lost and a dying world with the love of God. God has a purpose for your life. Matter of fact, if you get the growth track, we will help you discover your God-given purpose. God has purpose for your life. To get out of that cave of depression, you got to start pursuing your God-given purpose. Number three is this, commands, calling. Number three, companions. Companions. Isolation is a tool the devil uses to keep people in the cave of depression. God knows it's not good for us to be alone in the cave of depression. So, 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 so he told Elijah in 1 Kings 19 to get out of the cave and to get back with people. You know what God told Elijah? Here's what you got to do. Go back to your purpose, and then I want you to go anoint that one, and then I want you to go anoint that one. Then I want you to go with Elisha and raise up Elisha to be the next prophet after you. And Elijah, the rest of his days, not only did he live out his purpose, but you see, purpose always involves people. Purpose always involves people. And he spent the rest of his life mentoring Elisha and had people in his life. You know how I got out of the cave of depression? A lot of these steps right here. But I can't overlook this last one because it was key. I had some men of God speaking into my life. Some companions, some friends, some mentors that helped me get out of the cave of depression. Small groups is not a program. Your God-given purpose is to be with people. If you're not with people, you're not living out God's God-given purpose for your life. You need the body of Christ. You need people. You need a small group. How can I get on the app, find a small group that's right for you? Try two or three of them out, but make up your mind. People are a part of God's purpose for my life. And some of you are going to break through from depression as you get yourself around God's people. There's strength in it.